Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bala Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing and cruising on the East Coast of the United States. Is it going to be okay, you think? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it should record fine on my side, so as long as it doesn't break up enough between us, right? we'll give it a try. Right. The, yeah, the Skype video might not work out, but uh, as long as you, as long right. as you record on your side, we'll be just fine. So everybody's back to good health on your side? Yes, yes. After getting through our our COVID uh, experience, everyone's back to good health. Uh, been skiing a couple times. Uh, today is, is a, a heat wave here. I, it was uh, 12 degrees this morning when I woke up. That's 12 degrees uh, Fahrenheit for you and the continent. And uh, three previous days, it was below zero every morning. And I think Monday when I was skiing, temperature did not get above five degrees, and yesterday it did not get above twelve. So, a bit chilly. Good for skiing. I mean, right? Keep the, yes. Keep the snow from melting. Yes. But. And tomorrow's supposed to be fifty-five and rain. <laughs> Ooh, there goes all the snow. <laughs> right. And then, of course, Friday it'll be twenty degrees out, and everything will be frozen. Right. But Ice. Oh. That's the way it is. Have you been watching Olympic skiing? I have. I've watched bits and pieces of it. Uh, and actually, we've had at the ski area at Gore, where I'm on ski patrol, we've had um, some similar events for sort of the up-and-coming people, right? So not the people who are at the Olympic level and not even the people who are below that, but sort of the entry point for sort of competitive uh slope style and big air competitions and stuff so we've had those things going on at gore all last week and this week and i've been i've been there for that and uh even though they don't spin and twirl and fly as high as the folks on the olympic it's still jaw-dropping when you see these you know 14 and 15 year old uh, kids doing these things it's just remarkable Cool. Are there any upstate New York skiers on the Olympic? Uh, in the Olympic uh, team? Not, I didn't see yeah. any, but I haven't been watching. Yeah, not that I know of. I don't pay that close of attention to it. I will tell you in the Olympics, you know, when they say the the snowboarder or the skier in these big air things does, you know, a seven twenty or a twelve forty or whatever it is, and they sh- they show it in super slow motion. Even in slow motion, I can't count the number of turns they're doing. It's too fast, <laughs> you know, because they're they're yeah, spinning on three axes. It's it's not just on one axis. It's like three axes. It's like a corkscrew or whatever. It's like how do they do that? It's just remarkable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But you know, the juxtaposition of the amazing things that the athletes do with all the politics and the money and the drug testing and all this stuff. It's um. I have a hard time yeah. with all of it. Yes. But. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, politics and all that kind of stuff has seemed to have Im- infiltrated everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, under- I understand yeah. how you can practice to be a marathon runner or a cross-country skier. I mean, I, I get that. But how-, how do you practice doing these big air maneuvers? <laughs> right? I mean, I know they, they do yeah. them into pools and stuff, right? Or into, you know, bodies yeah. of water. Yeah, they do that at Lake Placid. Yes. Not, not too far from That's you. Right. They have the jumps and the... And I've seen them do that in the summer. Yeah. Here. So, you know, they practice into water and stuff. But but still, I, jeepers, I don't know. It's It seems like it's just remarkable to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know me as a non-athlete and an indoorsman. All of these things blow my mind as to how people get this good at all. Um, there's just such a gap between... Um, what I see myself being able to do, yeah. right, even with hard work, and what they do is truly incredible. And um, you know, I've seen a lot of this at the with with women's hockey. I think people that have listened to the podcast and you know that I was involved in the athletics at Clarkson and, and um, kind of was on the sidelines when the women won the three national championships as an advisor. And it's pretty cool because um, six of those women are in the Olympics, four on the U.S. team, one on, no, four on Canada, sorry, one in the U.S. and one in Czech. Um, so I've been watching that a little bit because I know them and I know how hard they work. Yeah. 
um, and they've worked in the past. So that's kind of cool. So I see, I see that difference between like me. I took um, my godchildren out ice skating this week mm-hmm. for the first time. They'd never been skating, and the difference between that and what these Olympic athletes do is just mind-boggling. And I know it's the same with skiing. Yeah, right? it's the same with any sport, right? There's like the world-class folks okay. are just they're 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 different <laughs> they're clearly a, a, a different species than i am <laughs> you know whether it's einstein or whether it's a musician or whether it's you know a marathoner or whatever a hockey player they're just different uh, they ha- they have a set of skills that the average person does not so yeah agreed so, should we get into uh, EP fifty five? Yeah, let's uh, let's do that one. On today's podcast, we have a guest, Scott Wells. He sails on the Chesapeake Bay, and I had a great chat with him about his sailing adventures there. Before we dive into the podcast, Mike, I uh, just wanted to thank our supporters. We have a new supporter, and that's Raymond. So, uh, thank you very much, Raymond. And he joins a pretty good list of some of our other recent supporters. Uh, we have Robert James and Andrew and uh, Eugene and Andy. So it's been really nice to have people supporting our podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I agree, Bela. And this was kind of a great follow-up to episode 54 where uh, you talked a little bit about um, how you get on a crew for a boat. And this is a nice follow-up to that. And as the title gives away that you uh, you mentioned, uh, today's episode is about the Chesapeake Bay. And this is also of interest to me a little bit because uh, I lived in Northern Virginia from, I think, 1992 to 1997 uh, when I was a professor at George Mason University. And we have friends from our time there that we still I still have. And they had a he had a big power cruiser, big boat. Um, so we spent some great weekend days out on the Potomac and we even went up to the bay um, a few times uh, during my time there. So I've, I've been on the water there, not in a sailboat, but it is a beautiful place and I have some great memories there. Um, Bela, one question that might be relevant before we jump into the conversation with Scott and that I was thinking about is, are there any differences between sailing on a river versus sailing on the ocean? Like some, you know, the, the Potomac you can actually sail on in places because it's so wide um, that you can get a small sailboat in there, no problem. And people do that all the time. But are there differences in how the boat operates or what you have to do or anything like that? Yeah, there, there sure are. There's some, some pretty significant differences, at least in my mind. Uh, whether it be the Potomac or a big bay like the Chesapeake Bay or a smaller bay like where I have my boat on Narragansett Bay uh, versus being out in open water or out in the ocean. The major difference is it's actually much more relaxing to be out in open water. Uh, it's much more relaxing to be 10 miles offshore in the Atlantic Ocean. Why? Because there's nothing out there to hit, <laughs> right? There's, there's no buoys. There's probably no other boats, or if there are other boats, you'll see them coming. Uh, there's no crab pots or lobster pots. Uh, you don't have to worry about the water being shallow. Uh, so from that perspective, so sort of from, you know, sort of navigating and, and keeping busy uh, watching everything and making sure there's nothing's going to come up and, and hit you or you're not going to hit anything, it's much more relaxing. Um, however, the, the, um, the waves can be certainly different. So the waves in the ocean tend to be spaced further apart and they're much more sort of rolly. Um, whereas the shallower the water, the waves get closer together. So the period gets closer together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in essence, the frequency goes up for you engineering folks. And, and the amplitude also tends to go up. So they get closer together and they get steeper. Um, so the way the boat behaves in that particular type of water is very different, right? One is sort of a slow rolling motion and the other one can be sort of a much more choppy motion. And this is when the weather picks up, right? If the wind's blowing 20, 25, 30 knots, the wave patterns are going to be very different. I'll, I'll say the other nice thing about being out, uh, typically when you're, when you're further offshore, the winds are steadier and they're sort of from one direction. And if they happen to be from a favorable direction, you can set your sails 
and you don't have to adjust anything for a long period of time because you can go in that direction for a long time. You're not going to hit land. Whereas when you're on Chesapeake Bay or Narragansett Bay, oftentimes, you know, you can sail for 15, 20 minutes in one direction, but now you have to turn because there's land going to be in your way. So to me, those are the major differences. Navigation is much more complicated, a lot more things going on, particularly at night. It becomes, at least for me, it's much more confusing being close to land at night. Uh, and that has to do with all the lights. You know, there's all sorts of lights on land. Uh, you know, the primary navigation lights for, for mariners are either green or red. Uh, that's what marks the channel. Well, traffic lights are also green and red. And you'd be amazed at all, sor at all sorts of, you know, uh, lights that you can see on land that you can't tell how far away they are. Depth perception at night is a real challenge, at least for me, certainly. So it's oftentimes hard to tell. So you really have to pay attention at where you are when you're sailing at night. Again, out in the open ocean, you don't see anything except the stars and the moon and maybe a shooting star once in a while. Cool. Interesting. Thanks. I think that was, I thought that might be a dumb question, but it actually, it's an interesting answer. So maybe it wasn't so dumb. Um, but with that, maybe let's jump right into the conversation with, with Scott Wells. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good, Mike. Let's go. Well, uh, we made it and we're connected. There we go. So thanks, Scott. It took us a while to uh, get this set up, but uh, here we are. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've been working on this one since last summer. I, I I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, uh, where are you geographically, right now? So we are on we are at the top of the Chesapeake Bay. Um, uh, there's a peninsula that juts out uh, called Turkey Point that has the Turkey Point Lighthouse on it, and you can turn left to go up the Northeast River where I am, or you can turn right and you end up up, up at the C and D Canal. Got it. Got it. So. Uh, um, yeah, because I, 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 you know, I, I listen to your, I've listened to all your, um, all your podcasts. Uh, I'm a big fan, and um, I'm, I'm really, you know, you sail in a part of the world that I'm not that familiar with, so I, I'm, I'm really curious, of, you know, going both ways, exactly where you are as well. Yeah, well, uh, right now I live in upstate New York, right? So mm -hmm. up near Albany, about an hour north of Albany. And it's about uh, 12 degrees out here right now. And oh, we, have, we have about a foot of snow on the ground. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys were sort of right in that whole thing that happened last week, right? That's correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we, okay. we, we got a good storm out of it. So, yeah, the boat is uh, up near Providence. It's on okay. Narragansett Bay. Uh, not quite all the way up uh, as far as Providence, but it's up quite a ways. And uh, the primary reason it's there is because one of my two sons lives there. Oh, okay. And uh, the other son lives here, close by to us. So it's a, you know, Narragansett Bay is a great place to sail. You got great access to Long Island Sound, Block Island, you know, sure. Cape Cod, the whole thing. So it's a great place to keep a boat. And he's about five minutes away from the marina. So he's also sort of my watchkeeper over the boat, you know. <laughs> I, I think keep an was, eye on it. Yeah. yeah, I think he was there the other day, knocking snow off the cover. So you know, oh. many, many thanks to him for for doing those things. I'm a little familiar with. I mean, I used to when I was in the Navy, I used to be stationed there at New London, and of course we did a few trips in and out, you know, that end of the Long Island Sound. But I, I never really got any further north than that, you know, water wise. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I did this. Uh, I did this trip uh, from Nova Scotia down to Baltimore. Uh, mm -hmm. where I was crew for uh, uh, a person and his wife who, who I met through Salty Dogs, right? So okay. the Salty Dog Sailing Association or sailing, yeah, I think that's what it's called, Salty Dog Sailing Association. Yeah, the Salty Dogs, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they do their rally down to uh, the islands in the, in the fall, uh, kind of in November, I should say. They go down mm -hmm. to the Caribbean, and then they have a rally back from the Caribbean back up to Norfolk usually, and they also do a summer cruise every year. And uh, the summer cruise is typically somewhere uh, on the East Coast. And so I, uh, they have a crew listing, you know, captains looking for crew because oftentimes, sure. you know, it's just a couple and some of these passages, you know, are multiple nights long. And, you know, two people, a couple is tough, you know, if you're sailing yeah. 24 hours a day for five or six days in a row, it's, it's, it's a challenge. So anyway, I, I threw my hat in the ring there and uh, 
they called me and we had a good chat. And as a matter of fact, the podcast I just recorded, which will come out just before this one, was all about how you find crew and how to how to how to become a crew on you know sure. for on sailboats, the various different crew finding sites and sort of the questions mm-hmm. to ask, et cetera. So if people are interested in that, they can listen to the episode just prior to this one. Oh, good deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I'm certain that I listened to that. You were talking about, I mean, I think you, you guys you, you guys came through our area of the bay. Um, I, and I, I don't know, I don't really remember if you maybe anchored in the Sassafras Bohemia or you went on to Annapolis. I can't remember that. No, but, no, it was Sassafras. Uh, yep. Sassafras, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty, when, when, you, when you're pretty much adjacent to Turkey Point coming north, you know, it's immediate right. Yeah, uh, love the river. Love going up the Sassafras. It's all often be said, often said that it's the most beautiful river on the bay. So uh, we're proud to have that close to us. Yeah, I've done a fair amount of sailing, chartering on on on, uh, on the Chesapeake. My wife and I took our ASA 101, 102, 104 uh, courses there out of de Grace, out of a, a ASA oh. school in de Grace. Bay sail. Yes, bay sail. So that was our yeah. sort of first exposure to the Chesapeake, and and we really loved it. I mean, it was sure. just so nice, and so many places to anchor, uh, so many different places to visit. It can get a little hot in July and August. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, I've been through, you know, the C and D Canal like three times now, doing some transits, right. and uh, you know, the upper part of the bay is nice, and uh, the lower part of the bay is nice too. I think. I think the Chesapeake is just a, a marvelous, marvelous place to sail. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to do and a lot to see. I mean, you could, you could spend, you know, a pretty fair amount of time just boating around the Chesapeake and visiting, you know, from here to Virginia. Which, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, in a, another year and a half or so, when I get retired here, we'll we'll be able to spend a little bit more time doing that sort of thing than than we do right now. But there's there's yeah, plenty to see and plenty to do. But, uh, you know, and I definitely I, I definitely want to, you know, make the trip up north, uh, up your folks way and, and poke around up there for a bit as well at some point in time. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a relatively easy trip. Uh, the only the, the only overnight you sort of have to do is the coast of Jersey. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that'll be everything else you can do in in, you know, uh, half a day hops at the longest. Um, gotcha. The coast of Jersey, uh, depending on your mast height, there's a couple places you can go into Atlantic City, right? But mm-hmm. uh, depending upon you know the winds and all that kind of stuff, you you may make it or not. But if you get up early, you can you can do it. If you leave uh, Cape May early in the morning, you can probably make it to Atlantic City or maybe. It's, so we've been yeah. I, I've been I've been working on and I still haven't done it yet because COVID sort of interrupted everything. You know, we have a, of course, a circumnavigating Delmarva that a lot yes. of folks around here yes. do. And, uh, and that gives you uh, same thing. It gives you an overnight from, it depends on which way you go from Cape May to Cape Charles or Cape Charles to Cape May. But you know that, um, and the, and the, actually the arc, uh, they, they typically have, but that's one of their sort of, um, training their, their, runs. Yeah. Yeah. Their warm up cruises is like first go do that first and then you know we'll 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 work our way from there you know until yeah to the point where you can do the 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 caribbean 1500 or whatever but um yeah it's not going to be this summer but maybe next summer it's just like planning you know planning it out and doing it and and, you know trying to stay gamefully employed (laughs) sure so tell me a little bit about how you got started in sailing so um I, um, I have, a, a around here, we did a lot of crabbing, obviously, as, as, a, as a very young man, uh, with rowboats and, you know, old, old wooden rowboats and whatnot. And I had an uncle of mine that lived on, uh, the middle river, um, just north of Baltimore. And I used to go spend some time in the summer with, um, with him and his family, uh, my cousin, we were fairly similar in age. And, um, he had, I'm not even sure what it was. It was a little bigger than a sunfish, but, uh, he had, um, a sailboat that just sat on the beach out front and, you know, we just pushed it out in the, in the river and hoisted the sails and away we went. Um, and it was good fun doing that, you know? And so that kind of got me hooked there. 
And then um, I had some friends of mine around here, you know, that had 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 a couple of sunfishes later on. And, and, you know, we did a lot of that. And, you know, it's just sort of, you know, that's that probably all started when I was maybe eight or 10, something like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of power boating in the middle as well. I mean, we, we've done our, our, fairs, uh, our fair share of that. Um, but, you know, I got married and my wife and I, the first we had, we bought a Venture 22, a McGregor Venture 22. Yeah. It's our fair, first sailboat. And then we bought a, uh, a Catalina 25 pop top. Yep. Which was real good. And then we had uh, a Hunter 28.5 for a while. And then at that point, my kids were at the point where like, dad, we're tired of going slow. We want to go fast. So we actually <laughs> sold that. Yeah. And we bought ourselves a little Maxim powerboat, 25 foot powerboat that we ran the heck out of that thing on the bay for 11 years. And then when the kids, you know, got older and moved out and moved on, we sold that and I bought the the CNC 35 that I have currently. Yes. Yes, very nice. Yeah, and uh so uh what kind of what kind of trips have you done? How do you find that? First of all, let me talk about let's talk about the boat. What year is sure. it? Uh you said 35 foot CNC. Yeah, it's a 1986. It's, it's kind of a funny story, but um, I worked for Seto, Seto uh, Northern Chesapeake, you know, here on the bay for a few years a while back. And I, I, we had the powerboat at the time, but I was talking about my boss, Gary, and he knew that I was looking to start sailing again. And he called me up one day and he said, Scott, are you, uh, you, do you, are you interested in sailing? You, I mean, you want to do this again? I said, I sure am. And he said, have I got a deal for you? We just pulled a CNC 35 up uh, off the bottom on the Gunpowder River, and it's sitting at Edwards Boatyard down in Baltimore. So I took a run down there and took a look at it. And and when when I you know they say sunk, but I mean it had water probably up to your knees in the cabin. You know the Chesapeake sure. Bay's the rivers aren't that deep around yes. here, but it did have water in it. And I went down and uh. I opened it up. It, they, they had, you know, pulled it out and closed it up. And of course I had, you know, fungus and everything everywhere growing in it. But I, I, and I'd say I, we, I had done a couple of overnight races with a friend of mine that had a CNC and I just fell in love with the boats. Um, his was a 40, I believe of land landfall 38 actually. And, um, I knew it had good bones and, and you know, I, and that's, the difference between the wife and I is she's looking at the aesthetics and I'm looking at the bones, but I knew it had good bones. And, and I called a friend of mine who's a, a very knowledgeable mechanic and boat guy. And we, we went down and took a look at it. We turned the motor over. The, the diesel was good. It, uh, the trans, it didn't have any water in it. The transmission didn't have any water in it. So wow. I basically bought it from progressive insurance for, you know, uh, nothing yes. pretty much because at some point when they have a deal like that, now the progressive folks have to worry about getting a truck there and loading it on a truck and taking it somewhere and cutting it up or whatever. So right, right. Uh, they, they pretty much gave it to me and it's been sort of a labor of love for eight years now, I guess it is. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it, I've been inside and outside and through it and under it and we're still working on it. And is she in the water? Are you sailing or are you still working on it? No, it's, uh, so yeah, we pull it out much like you, we pull it out every winter. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, it's so sit, it's, so it's in yeah, the water. It's sitting, a, yeah. it's sitting at a marina about seven minutes from me right now sure. called Bay Boat Works on the uh, Northeast River. And then, um, you know, we'll put it back in May and, uh, we, um, we keep it in a slip, a little town across the river from us called Charlestown. Well, we keep it over there and we do, um, my wife and I do, um, charters. We do, we do some sailing charters here and there with it uh through the summer plus you know our own the own our own trips that we do yeah yeah very nice so talk yeah. a little bit about the chesapeake for our listeners and and talk about some of the you know your favorite places to go and and cruise around and and visit oh sure um so my you know being the sailor and and, and fairly limited time on what we have uh, you know my my area the chesapeake's pretty much from maybe the chop tank river up through you know up north here, up through the C&D Canal in, into the Delaware Bay. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously we have Annapolis that, you know, um, that, you know, it's, it's 
I mean, you know, what can you say? It's a great place. It's a great place to go. Having never been to Newport, which I do want to do that one of these days, you know, we want to get up there. But uh, uh, yeah, there's um, uh, we we spend a lot of time in a, a little town across, on the eastern shore called Rock Hall. That's kind of our one of our favorite yeah. uh, spots to go. Yeah, we, char- we, get- we chartered out of there a lot. So I've been oh, to Rock, you, yeah. Rock Hall a bunch of times. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, I know, it's a, I know a it lot well. of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a Waterman town, you know. It's a it, it's a Waterman, you know, Waterman town with a boating problem, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there Rock Hall. Uh, we we get down the Eastern Bay there um, to uh, St. Michael's. Yeah, uh, St. Michael's a great place, great historic place to go to. Cambridge, um, uh, you know, just a lot of nice little places down there. You know, the thing about the bay is it, it's relatively shallow. I mean, you, you, there's a lot of ship traffic, you know, you have to you have to be careful with that. But the bay is plenty big enough where you can stay well out of the shipping channels and, and pretty much go wherever you need go um, for sure. Although a lot of people like to, for whatever reason, like to ride between the buoys up and down and drive some folks crazy every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's no um, cra- there's no crab pots between the buoys. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 matter of fact, well, I was listening what a week or two ago. I was listening to one of your po- uh, podcasts. You guys were talking about the the oyster pots. Yeah, you know, up your way, and I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. I mean, <laughs> you got to be careful. It's especially you get up our way uh, when the crabs are moving. You know, in in, in the in the fall, like September, October. I, I kind of caution people: you, you might not want to go out at night. You know, unless you're going slow enough and keeping an eye out to avoid um whatever whatever's out there but you know we have a like a, like most everywhere else we have a lot of go fast boats you know here on the river and uh i boy sometimes i see them flying up and down the river and i'm like oh my god you know that's but i don't know yeah, it is what it is it is what it is you know <laughs> everybody's got their own thing right yeah yeah but yeah i mean and and up around here like say um you, you, so you were chartering out of, uh, out of Havity Grace, which that's the Susquehanna river. Yeah. And you know, the Susquehanna river, it, the Susquehanna river is the biggest freshwater source, um, for the bay. And that runs all the way 400 and some odd miles to Cooperstown, New York, all the way up through upstate PA and, right. and upstate New York. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, it's probably somewhere up around your area, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure where you are in relation to Cooperstown, but, uh, that's where it all starts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a couple hours away from, from Cooperstown. Are you? Yeah. And then, and, you know, Haverty Grace is a great town. The Susquehanna River, as we were speaking, uh, is a nice, nice deep. It's, it's a very deep river. Uh, that's the nice thing about being over there. Got some great marinas all the way up at the end, some great restaurants. That's the one thing with the bay here. And, and I'm sure it's probably the same where, where you folks are, but a lot of good seafood, you know, a lot of good places, a lot of good tiki bars. <laughs> yeah here and there so um that uh the bohemia river is another an, an, we call it the five foot river it's it's i mean it's it's not literally five feet deep but i mean it's it's literally flat as a pancake you know it's just the same depth no matter where you go there and then you work your way up to the uh the canal itself and i actually used to drive a a tour boat there on the canal for well, five or six years uh, a few years back we used to do uh, two-hour tours on the mm-hmm. canal, so I have that all memorized in my sleep. You know, the all the the details and whatnot. Right, right. Yeah. What's what's the name of uh, that one little town where where there's a, a little anchorage? Uh, oh, Chesapeake. Chesapeake City. Chesapeake City. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you folks you I think you anchored in we there, did. right in the anchor basin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just came by there today. There's there's been there's actually been a few folks even now anchored over there but they were they were all cleared out today because it, it, it's icing over uh pretty good and and that's where the army corps of engineers is for the canal so they i mean they, they'll they keep it pretty open but yeah, yeah it's, it's fun there's a good little you know good little restaurant tiki bar there and there's some free dockage if you if you get there soon enough you know there's free dockage in town and whatnot that, and then and in chesapeake city is just a a beautiful quaint little town and that's that. Of course, that's the south side of Chesapeake City, and Chesapeake City is one of those towns where the canal split it in half. So you have the south side, Chesapeake City, and then you have north side. And on the north side, uh, there's um, Schaefer's Canal House, which, I mean, 
that's been there my whole life. I'm I'm not even exactly sure uh, when all that was established, but that's where the um, that's where the pilot boats are for the the um, the pilots trans uh, transitioning from the Chesapeake Bay pilots to the Delaware Bay pilots, and that's always exciting to watch when the ships are coming through and you and you're you know when we had it when we, do, we used to do our boat tours it was really exciting to kind of trail along and watch the pilots up and down and, and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, a lot of fun stuff to do up around here for sure. Yeah, there really is. So I, you know, a couple of, a couple of things that takeaways I had from, from the times we've been on the Chesapeake is it's a nice mud bottom. So it's good holding. Mm-hmm. So, so yep. anchoring is easy. <laughs> yes. Right. Everywhere. Yeah. It just seems like no matter where you are, you got good holding. Right. Uh, not a lot of weeds uh, growing mm-hmm. on the bottom. Uh, so, so that's to me was great. And, and there's just so many little nooks and crannies that you can anchor oh, yeah. in. It's just yeah. like they're all over the place. <laughs> you know, here on, on, on Narragansett, it's it, it's not quite as rich with anchorages. Right? Oh, okay. Right? So it's it's you guys are really fortunate down there because you can go, if you're out on the bay and a storm's coming up, you, yeah. you're five minutes away from an anchorage. No matter where you are on the bay, you're five minutes there's, away from there's an some, anchorage. Yeah. Because I and I failed to mention in my little tour of the bay, I, I failed to mention Wharton Creek and Still Pond sure. and uh, you know those places, and they're they're huge, you know. So we're right on. Obviously, we're right on the track for the snowbirds, you know, going south in the in the fall and coming back up in the spring. Um, so yeah, the, the Still Pond's a great little anchorage over there. Although I've sat, I, you know, two years ago, I've sat the, probably the windiest anchorages overnight that i've ever sat through in the bay has been it's always been in still pond for whatever reason well you know some of those nights where you have to sit in the cockpit all night and just like i hope this anchor holds yeah you know because you can you can get right up next to the beach there really easy but um yeah it's 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 got a beautiful sandy beach in there and it's you know it's i i mean there's you know a hundred boat in the summertime on a weekend they're just crowded in there like heck so yeah we spent a, a real windy night down in uh, Til- Tillman, Tillman's Tillman Island. Island yeah. yeah, down there in a. Yeah. L- I forget the name of the bay, but uh, it's it's off the main bay, and there's a little there's a bigger bay that Tillman Island sort of uh, projects out into. And we spent, yeah, that's that would be Eastern Bay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's an anchorage off in there, and man, we we anchored in there one night, and it was howling. <laughs> and uh, I remember next morning. Our anchor was dug in so deep, we had trouble getting the anchor up. Because, you know, I mean, it was like, this thing is stuck. And it, it really took us like 15, 20 minutes of sort of tugging on the anchor really slow to kind of get it out of the mud. It was in there so deep. Wow. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with the bay is, like I say, it's 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 fairly um, it's fairly shallow. I mean, I, I quite honestly, I'm pretty sure the average depth works out to be like 20 some odd feet, you know, beside the you know with the exception of the shipping channels but the thing about it is it's it's so it's so shallow when the wind pops up when we get a good northwest you know wind coming through or with some of these squalls coming through the the waves just they're they're short and steep you know so they're like you're like they're like hitting a wall trying to bang your way through them we don't get any of this nice gentle swell stuff that you would i guess out on the ocean but It can get nasty during, you know, trying to pound through the waves when 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 we're having a squall for sure. Yeah. So, again, for our listeners who who may be thinking about coming to the Chesapeake Bay, we talked Mm -hmm. about some of the nice places to visit, kind of in the northern half. Uh, What are some of the, excuse me, what are some of the challenges in sort of dealing with the Chesapeake Bay? What what things have have you found to be challenging? Well. so the, the, I mean, there is there is shallow water. Uh, you got to be careful with that. I mean, I'm fortunate. My boats, you know, I have a, a centerboard boat, so it's it's four feet with the keel and six feet with it with a down. So at uh, four feet, pretty four foot's pretty good. I mean, I you know I and you know, it, but there are places. I mean, where 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 you folks were there in Havre de Grace and the Susquehanna, that large expanse right out or right off of Havre de Grace is the Susquehanna Flats. Yep. Um, which yep. is basically where all the that's, you know, as I try, I, try, I tell people that, um, you know, that's where all the ecosystem kind of starts in the bay because it's just a, acres and acres of, uh, of, of seagrass there. 
you know, and the little microorgums start and then the little fish come to eat that. And then the big fish come to eat the little fish and the crabs and, you know, and my wife gets on me occasionally and, and maybe I shouldn't mention it, but I, I always try to talk to people that are from PA that we have on our charters or, or, or even New York. I have people that drive down from New York to do this, but whatever you put in the water up there comes out down here. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when, um, just above Haverty Grace, there is is the Conowingo Dam, and when 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 there's a lot of you know uh, a rain or or snow melt or whatever up up in PA in New York, they they when once they start cutting the floodgates open, all that junk comes through, so it all ends up w- with us. So I guess you have to be careful of that. Um, after after you know, and and it's it's fairly simple to find out. You know when when they're opening the gates and whatnot because they're very good at, at letting you know that. But I mean, I've literally seen, uh, you know, two years ago where they can turn our river looks like chocolate milk. You know, in 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 twenty four in a you know twenty four hour period yeah. of all the silt and what whatnot coming down, and you know we get logs and barrels and and whatnot. So that all kind of you got to be careful of that. I would say, um, I, you know, I don't think with, you know, b- bugs and overnighting, I mean, it's, it's usually, it's usually nice overnighting, you know, in any anchorage, like you're saying, it can get pretty hot and humid in the summertime, you know, July and August, uh, is, is, uh, you know, if you have an older boat like my boat where there, you know, there is no, it's the 260 AC, <laughs> Yeah. you know, put the, the, the hood, the scoop in the, in the, in the, four peak and turn you turn your fans on um but yeah that and just a lot of traffic a lot of commercial traffic so um you know a lot of and a lot of commercial traffic at at night so i I, you know i try to talk to people about you know if you're going to be out at night you know you you need to understand what lights and, and signals mean and and you know i mean we we you don't want to get you know, I get in a situation where you get the tug captains on channel 16, you know, yelling at you because they will do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm sure they probably do it up your way to, as well. I'm, I'm sure. But sure. I mean, you know, they're professionals. That's what they do, do for a living. And sometimes us yahoos sort of, you know, screw them up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. It, it really is amazing. I mean, Narragansett Bay is the same way. No matter where you are in the bay, you see land. So at night. You see, you see all sorts of lights, right, right? Right. You see traffic lights on land that are red and green, right? <laughs> right? <Exactly. laughs> right. You see tail lights of cars. You, you know, you see all the buoys, and it right. gets very, very confusing. And it you got to really be, yeah. and you know, and, and and here's my pet peeve. You know, I I love the LED lights that everybody buy, and I have them on my boat. You know, for the cockpit and whatnot. I just have an issue with people that like to turn them on and leave them on while they run up and down the river at night, you know, other, you know, because you got your, your red, your green and your, and and your all around white lights for navigation. And then you got blue lights, you got red lights. Some people do have green, you know, it's like, it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) You're like asking for trouble. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's just, that's a pet peeve of mine. I'm like, really? Do you, do you really need to do that? But, but yeah. there you go. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, when I've been out on passages, you know, and, and you're far enough offshore that you can't see anything, it, it's remarkable how sort of mellow everything is out there. Sure. Because there's there's nothing out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? You don't see any lights. You don't see, and, and sometimes you're like happy when you see a light. Oh, there's another boat. <laughs> yeah, there's something out here. <laughs> right. You know? And, and it, it really is, I, I find it much more stressful maybe stress is the wrong word, but, but we'll use it much more stressful, you know, to be in the bay or close to shore. Uh, and at night it's like really, really challenging. And I, and I try not to sail at night, not to be out on Narragansett at night, even if I, I'm pretty familiar with it now. Yeah. I, and, and last year, the last sail of the season I did with my son, we actually did come back in the dark. The last couple miles was in the dark and, you know, we've been through there 50 times and it was still like, are we in the right spot? You know, we're looking at the GPS. We're sure. <laughs> we're looking at the landmarks, and you know, just double checking. 
And I often I often think about that, too. Uh, you know, I um, and as as most probably sailing folks are, I, you know, I, I listen to Andy Shell's podcast a lot. And I think about that and I'm thinking when you're offshore, like you're like just like you're talking about it, it all. I would not want to say boring, maybe that, and again, maybe that's the wrong word. But I, you would think, you know, especially you, you get on some of these, you know, trade wind passages that these folks do, and you set the sails for two weeks, and you just go. Yes. And and there's there's really no one around, and um, I, and then I I, I juxtap- juxtapose that with us being in the bay, and you know, even you know, I, it's probably true where where you folks are too. I mean, everything I want to do pretty much as south of here if i want to take a trip and the wind's always from the south right yeah so course. it's it's always a motorboat ride mm-hmm. unless i just want to you know tack 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 and you know as, as bay sailors or river sailors i and i i do a lot of single handing uh, as well so you get really good at just that sort of thing and i'm not sure how it would be out in the ocean where you just sail for days and days and days and not have to really worry about anything. Yeah. But yeah, I th- I think for me sort of the 2 to 4 day passage is ideal. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's long enough that you sort of get in the groove and the rhythm. You're probably far enough off- offshore, you're not you're not seeing much. Uh but you're not out there for 20 days. I I, I think, you know, 20 days uh, in the trade winds uh, it, I mean <laughs> after a while it just gets kind of boring like you're saying it's like you know i would think yeah. i mean I, I i would really like to try that boredom boredom you know at least once here and I, i'm certain that i will but you know i you know we again um when we do i i you know i do a fair amount of 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 night sailing around i actually i have folks that you know I, I, you know when i charter um, some folks like to stay out. They want to go out for the full moon, sure. you know, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing and a bottle of wine in the full moon. So I'll take them out and, and, uh, you know, come back after dark. But, and I, I know, you know, I know where the power boaters like to run. So, you know, I, I stay well away from all of that and, you know, head on a swivel, kind of a hockey thing, you yeah, know, yeah. just keep, just keep looking. Yeah. So but, Scott, what, what's on your bucket list? Hmm, man. Del, uh, the Delmarva uh, circumnavigation for sure. I, you know, my big deal here, it's funny. We have this conversation every once in a while. You know, when, when I was in my 30s, you know, I wanted to go around the world. And then when I was in my 40s, you know, I wanted to get down through the Caribbean, maybe to South America. When I got into my 50s, you know, I just wanted to get to the Bahamas. And now that I'm 60, I just want to make it to Florida at this point because <laughs> things change and, you know, life changes. Sure. But, uh, I, you know, I, I want to do the ditch. I want to go down the intercoastal yeah. and pop outside. I, I really, I had my heart set uh, for a while on going and spending the winter at Buki Harbor. My wife's not real big on that idea, uh, quite honestly. So, uh, you know, we'll see how all that yeah. goes. But you know, I have a good I have good friends that live down in Alamorada in the Alamorada Marathon area, and I mean, I have a place to go. Sure, I just need time to do it and yeah. and to get down there. So yeah, well, I, I I number one, I highly recommend retirement. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm on my I'm on my second year, and it's oh it's my goodness. fabulous. I can't imagine uh, and yet. and I think uh, the ICW is great. I've done mm-hmm. it twice now, and uh, you know, some of it in, some of it out. And it's, it's just great. It's just a, it's a, it's, it's sort of a different view you get of the world when you're going down the ICW. Sure. Uh, and actually I was thinking, um, I, I was actually thinking about this two weeks ago. I was thinking, you know, I think if, if I could do like a 10 day, like if I I'll take two weeks off, I think I would like to go down, uh, you know, go down to Virginia, hop in, hop in the yeah. ICW and go out, uh, and end up, um, out at Ocracoke Island you know, off of, yes. off of, yeah, sure. off the outer banks, yeah. you know, cause we, we bake, we vacation down there a lot, uh, on, on, uh, on the outer banks and we always go to Ocracoke and I'm like, Oh my God, I'd love to sit here in my sailboat here sure. on Silver Lake and just do nothing for a week or two. So, yeah. and that's, that's totally doable for me, you know, with a, with a good eight or 10 days off. So Absolutely. I, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of in the back of my head right now. And I'm like, yeah, that, you know, maybe we'll start planning for something like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. What else? Anything else on your bucket list? Uh, 
You know, I'm sort of at the point where, uh, you know, I, I don't really have boat envy. I mean, I go to the sailboat shows and, and, yeah. and you know, sure. You need Annapolis show and everything. And I look around and, um, I, I, you know, I'm happy with what, what I do have. So I, I don't really have a boat in mind. That's good. I mean, I, you know, I, so I watch, you know, I, like probably a lot of folks listening I watch captain Q, you know, on, um, on YouTube and I'm always interested in what he's finding, you know, as far as boats, uh, older and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of an older boat guy, I guess. Uh, you know, I tell people when they come on my boat, I said, there's, there's no push button, anything on this. It's, it's all muscle, you know, up and down and, and around. So, uh, but I'm sure though, as you know, uh, in a few years here, that's going to get old and, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to say I'm not going to end up in a trawler cause who knows we may, <laughs> you know, we may do that someday as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really wanted to. So I, I think what I want to do really is I want to get to the point where, um, you know, I'm officially retired and I have all summer long. Like you're saying, I, I could take a whole summer, just bop around the bay here and yeah. really not have to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, so that's and then, you know, the, the issue here, you know, as probably in a lot of cases with 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 the wife is the grandchildren. Yep. And uh I'm like, well, honey, you know, we'll just be on the Chesapeake Bay here somewhere. So they'll come. I'm sure they'll come and see us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this past summer, we had we had the grandkids on the boat for a week. Uh, oh, my. And uh, when they when they got home, when they when they got home, the first thing they said to their parents is we want to go again. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's great. So, you know, that's a great that's a great attractor. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, uh, I have a, my oldest granddaughter is just really takes to the boat. And I, I think that I just, and my son, not so much and his wife, not so much, but she just really, she likes spending time on the boat with us. And sure. I, I, I'm just trying to instill that in her, you know, that, you know, for the adventure piece of it. And this is, this is something you can do, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, that's you know, great. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But I, you know, probably, uh, besides the the around the Delmarva, probably the other thing is just getting myself in the position to get retired, so we can just spend time doing this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that you know? sounds great. Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, we can always pop. You know, you could pop down to Potomac and up the up the uh, up up the Potomac to D.C., yeah. which I work there every day, pretty much. But um, it'd be interesting to be interesting to me to come by water for yeah. sure. Yeah, so. yeah, it is kind of neat to see place. I've been to a lot, you know, here in the east. There's places I've been to via land, and then you yeah. you come by water, and it's like totally different. It, it yeah, really is. It really deal. is an interesting contrast. Yeah, the for world sure. looks different when you approach it from the water. It sure so, does. Let's, uh, hey Scott. So uh, I'm going to start wrapping this up. We've been chatting for 35 minutes here. Uh, sure. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Anything else I you want to share? I think so. Uh, I I think. Uh, no, I think we're pretty good. I mean, uh, we talked about our boats. We talked about the bay. Uh, I think, you know, so I, I sort of, I don't know if you've been on Jeff Wedding's podcast yet or not, but I have not. He and I, yeah, we, I'm sure you'll end up on it one of these days. Uh, he's, he's, he's big on that sort of thing, but we've done this thing before where we both use the podcast on our own deal. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I need to get to the point where I could talk to you a little bit more about Narragansett Bay. So maybe we'll have to schedule another meeting, kind of flop the, sure, you know, sure, turn Love it to do the other that. way and, and yeah. let you talk about because I'm really interested about, uh, you know, the area up there. And and again, once once we get reach retirement, then you know, it can come up there and float around for a month or two. And you know, um, I, I'm just I, I'd really like to do that uh, and 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 look at all the whatever you know whatever you can recommend for sure sure yeah yeah love to, uh, happy to have that conversation uh sure. yeah we could schedule another one and talk about that stuff that'd be great good yeah and it's not you know it's not a long hop for you it's it's uh cape may you can probably get due in a day right yeah i can get there yeah it's 90 miles well a day and a half long day miles. yeah let's say two days to yeah. cape may for you and and then yeah. you know depending upon you want to go through this i i went through new york city twice now it's Unfreaking believable oh yeah i mean <laughs> hell's gate and all that i mean in a good way right i mean yeah. the east river is kind of crazy <laughs> because yeah. there's just right. so much traffic and helicopters right. and high-speed ferries and i mean it's just like sensory overload but sort of the approach to new york city from the south 
<clears throat> you know, and you see you see the sky skyscrapers in Manhattan stuff. It's it's just, I mean, it brings a tear to your eye. It's unbelievable, Very breathtaking. I'll yeah, bet. it yeah. really is. Statue of Liberty, Verrazano Narrows Bridge. I, I highly recommend at least once one way. You know, whether you're going up or coming back, but to go through the city, it's fabulous. Yeah, I and I I, I think that would be really interesting to do as well. I a lot of folks around here that do that make the hop from here to like Block Island, right? Do their thing, and then they come back. They come back through New York, and that's that's probably what I would do. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely um, definitely want to um, you know definitely. I I just think like like you're saying that would be breathtaking to come through with with all the city and the, the Statue of Liberty and. But I, uh, but I understand that the traffic is crazy there. I, I just, I can imagine that. Oh my gosh, you know, on a summer weekend, it'd be, cr- it'd be nuts. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you got to time it. You, you got to time sure. it the right way. Uh, yeah. Well, great, Scott. Hey, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation talking about the Chesapeake and your sailing adventures. You're a great guest. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. And like I say, we'll we'll turn the tables here in a you know, a few more weeks and we'll, we'll talk about the Narragansett Bay and, uh, we'll go my way. I, you know, I, I, am not as, 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 uh, you know, you guys are, you guys are really good at staying on schedule with putting your podcast out. I, um, I have one, it was, it's called, it was called around the Bay with Scott and Sharon, which, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not very good at staying current with it. I need to be a little bit better than that. But, um, but and Sharon, my wife is she's kind of reluctant to come on Mike and, and, and talk about all this. So now it's just called uh, Around the Bay Sailing Sundance. So, you know, we'll swap it around and I'll have you a guest on my podcast and we'll have some fun. That'd be great. Thanks again, Scott. Take care. All right, Bela. Thank you very much. Bela, that was a great conversation with Scott. And I really learned a lot more about the Chesapeake, even though I lived there for a long time or near it for a long time. So thanks for that. Um. When you're thinking about different sailing locations, how do you evaluate different locations? What do you what are the criteria that you have? And then how do you evaluate the Chesapeake based on your criteria? That's a good question, Mike. Uh, you know, I think it sort of depends on what you want to do and what you're looking for. If if you're if you're a person who likes to race sailboats and you want to, you know, race around the bay, uh every Wednesday or Thursday night and on Saturdays and Sundays, then I think you're going to look for a different type of environment than someone who wants to go sail for four or five hours, anchor someplace, you know, spend a day there, maybe go on shore, do some tourist stuff, come back on the boat, you know, and then go sail someplace else for four or five hours and spend another day or two at the next location. So I, I think it's very different. Those are those are kind of different things that you want to do. I will say that the Chesapeake is one of my favorite places. Uh, I think if I had my druthers as to where I would like to have a boat and sail, I think it would be the Chesapeake. Uh, and there, here's the here's my my reasons why. Uh, number one is it's big, right? It's it's a hundred some odd miles long, so it's a big body of water. And it, there's a great sailing community there. So there's a lot of other sailboats, uh, a lot of really good sailing community. And there are hundreds and hundreds of places that you can anchor and pull into. And, and, the, and the, the bottom, the bottom of the, you know, if, if the water gets shallow, the bottom is mud. So if you're going to hit something, you want to hit mud, not rocks, right? So if you're sailing up in the coast of Maine, <laughs> there's no mud up there. It's rock. <laughs> so if you get into shallow water inadvertently, you're going you're gonna to feel it all of a sudden. Chesapeake Bay is mud, which also means it's easy to anchor. Because anchors hold in mud very well. And there's just tons of places uh, that I won't say are tourist. Well, there are touristy places. But there's other quaint little towns that you can go to and, and stay at. And there's just, or if you want a secluded anchorage, there's plenty of secluded anchorages. So to me, it's, it's really nice. I will say the downside to the Chesapeake uh, is July and August can be hot and with not a lot of wind. But every place has its seasonal you know, ups and downs. So, I, and... The Chesapeake is a place that we've chartered a lot. So I've never owned a boat on the Chesapeake. 
but there are a lot of charter operations on the Chesapeake because it's such a great place to sail. So we, we have frequently chartered boats out of Rock Hall uh, on the Chesapeake, which is on the Maryland side. And uh, it, it, uh, it's really a great place to visit and a great place to go. And I, I highly recommend it as a place for someone to explore, whether you want to do that with a charter or whether you want to you know, take your own boat there. Cool. I mean, I think it's important. I, I don't know. I guess in everything that I do regarding business and really my personal life, I like to kind of make the, the criteria explicit and clear to myself. Right. So when I'm making some decisions and, you know, when you're going to take a sailing trip, that's a pretty big investment in time. And if you're going to charter and money. Right. Um, and there's risks and there's all these things. So I think this is really cool. So kind of thinking through it's um, if you need to charter charter opportunities. Right. Check. See what's out there. Uh, prices, I'm sure. And what's available in the marketplace and whether you want. We've talked earlier about with a crew or um, without a crew. Right. Uh, what are the opportunities? I think I liked how you put it. Um, knowing what type of sailing you want to do and then aligning that with the geography and the weather of the place that you're going to, how good is the fit, right? Um, and then if you'd like to do um, some sightseeing along the way, right, aligning the availability of anchorages and, and um, um, dock facilities and, and mooring balls, right, with um, things to do and things that you want to do. Um, so that really seems like kind of a neat set of criteria, basic criteria, um, to evaluate different sites. And it's kind of cool that, uh, you know, and also the downsides, as you said, uh, the, the weather in midsummer and things like that. So it's neat to have these pros and cons. And then you can choose, oh, do I want to go to Florida? Do I want to go to, uh, up to Maine? Do I want to go to, to uh, the Chesapeake? Do I want to go to Hawaii? Whatever, right? And you've got a set of criteria on which to make those decisions. So that was really interesting for me because this is the way my brain works. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, but that's cool. And I guess I'm sure every sailor has their own criteria. Um, but, um, I think it helps. And then, you know, what questions to ask when you're checking in with other sailors or you're checking, you're asking questions, uh, if you call a Marina to inquire about things or something like this, um, seems like that'll help you ask, ask the right questions and how to choose your destination smartly. And, and then I, I guess how to prepare too, in terms of, you know, you you and I've talked about this, what clothing to bring, right? What equipment you might need, all these types of things. So, so that was cool. Yeah. Thanks. That was a really yeah. great, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say. And, and and these days, with uh, all the various different online resources one has, whether it be people listening to podcasts like this one, or you know Facebook groups or other sailor websites, you can find out so much information about a potential destination. Uh, and that's how I learned. That's how we discovered the Chesapeake. Right? It was through various different online resources, and and people are. Very, very, the sailing community and, and the boating community in general is very helpful. So if, as a matter of fact, this morning, uh, before we just got together here online, uh, I belonged to a, a Narragansett Bay Facebook group. And somebody asked a question about actually the marina that I keep the boat at, um, Safe Harbor Cove Haven Marina. And, you know, they were asking a question about it. So I just, you know, before I got online here with you, I... I typed out of, you know, a two and a half paragraph little response to their question. So it's very helpful. So there's a lot of resources. So, and it helps you as you, as you read those things, it helps you hone your criteria as well. So it's not only helpful to, for information, but also it, for me, it always helps me kind of hone in, you know, what am I looking for? Yeah, that sounds good. It doesn't sound good because oftentimes I just say, I just want to go sailing. Well, that's too broad a category. <laughs> you got to narrow it down a little bit. So a lot of good online resources. Yeah. And having the criteria too, I think it makes it less likely for you to be a sucker for good marketing. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are marketing people, but I'm always very, um, I don't know. I try to be a little bit critical of what I read when the people who are selling the product are also promoting it. And I really like these third parties to triangulate kind of what's promised right. versus what reality looks like. And if you have criteria and you know what questions to ask, you can, you can really, I think, get to the bottom of making the information that you need to make a good decision. And yeah, those criteria might change over time and it's not a strict, strictly, okay, I weight this five points and I weight this three points and I add it up and that's what drives the decision. But at least it gives you what I call a cognitive frame or a, a framework, right? In which to make a, an informed and, and somewhat rational decision. And um, you know, before again, you spend a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
I agree. Shall we wrap this one up, Mike? Sure. Listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. And uh, we hope that you found the conversation interesting and thought-provoking as we did. And as always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application. And also tell your friends about us. And if you know of someone that would be a good guest for the show, uh, drop us a line and let us know. And we'll see if we can uh, get them to be on the show. So signing off from chilly upstate New York. Uh, see you soon, Mike. Sounds great, Bela. And from over here in Münster, Germany, Auf Wiedersehen. And see you for the next episode.